0: What's up, everyone? Recording from the Indianapolis International Airport, 6 a.m. I am going heading back to Israel, finish out the season there. Uh, we recorded with Mark Hughes, former Michigan player, 1989 champion, current assistant GM for the Clippers. Um, hell of a conversation. I could have asked him a million questions, could have talked forever, couldn't keep him. Them- it's a busy guy, but it was really fun. Um won't be having too much tournament talk. I'll talk some tournament right now. But I hope you guys enjoy that recording. It's just been a weird week. It's been really hectic. I've been basically leaving at any minute since Sunday. So hopefully next week we and get some guests in and talk some of the tournament. Hopefully they'll be on their way to the Final Four. Uh I got a big matchup with Florida State. Honestly, I haven't looked at Florida State too much, but you know the opponents. It's it's never really the opponents for Michigan. It's always about themselves. They're always playing against themselves. So, I mean, you saw this last game. You know, different guys step up. We, we've known this all season that any of them are capable at any time stepping up, having big games and, you know, taking over and winning for them. And you saw that with Eli and with Sean D, you know, I knew from the beginning that Sean D's confidence was going to be huge. Um, whether that was scoring or not or playing well or not, you know, you needed those guys to just be confident and take those shots. And Eli came out, he banked that one three. I think he banked that, banked that one three. Um, but they played through Hunter in the post. Um, you know, they, they couldn't handle him in the post. They had a double team, and then guys knew that when they got their opportunities, they were going to have to take him in Eli, and Shondi did the exact that exact thing. Still waiting for Franz to break out. Still, I still know it's going to happen here pretty soon. Um, you know, I think Florida State's got the guys to guard. Hunter, they got the bigs, so we'll see how they kind of match up with him. I think it'll be a different type of game, so – there's going to be a different type of offense for Michigan going into this Florida state game. They're going to, have to prepare even different. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, it's been a crazy year. Michigan was looking like one of the most down teams in the big 10 in terms of just going into the tournament because of the livers and, you know, the last few games that they've lost. Um, but it's COVID year, you know, up is down and down is left. So nothing matters. I uh, should have known, you know, I didn't pick my bracket like that too many top seeds, but uh, everyone everyone knew this was uh, bound to happen with this type of season, this type of year. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. Next time you hear from me, I'll be in Israel. Um, I'll be there for a couple months, get back into May. Yeah, maybe I'll share some of my Israel exploits and some stories. I don't know what it's going to be like over there. I know I got a five-day quarantine in my apartment right away when I get there. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I get two negative tests on that fifth day. And, uh, yeah, play a game on my birthday, March 31st my birthday. That'll be my, my first game with the team. So we'll see. Wish me luck. Hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Mark Hughes. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I will see you guys next week. Today we have Mark Hughes, former Michigan player on the A-9 championship team, current assistant GM for the Clippers. Mark, I really appreciate you taking time to come on the podcast today.
1: No problem, Stu. Appreciate you having me. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, We were talking before, and obviously you have a unique position. You can't get into the sp- specifics about talking about players. Um, but have you been able to watch some of the Michigan team, and what are your thoughts on them? Oh,
1: yeah, I, I have. I've watched quite a bit of them. Because uh, nice. Juwan's done such a wonderful job with that group. They're fun to watch. They play hard. Uh, they're well prepared. Yeah, it, it, it's good to see uh, the success that they're having this year.
0: Yeah, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. That is for sure. As a fan, as a, as former players like ourselves, uh, you said before, you know, we started recording, you have a unique story about Juwan and him coming to Michigan. Well, what's that all about?
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> so yeah, at Juwan, when he was uh, a younger player coming to Michigan, he came to Michigan camp and I used to go speak there
0: mm. and
1: uh, you know, the fish just said, Hey, we really want Juwan. Right. So one of the things I would do at the end of my talk, I would have, you know, the campers come out and do a post move, right? And if they scored, they would win. I think it was a t-shirt or a jersey or something. And, you know, I would block a bunch of shots, block a bunch of shots. And so finally I called Juwan out. And I was like, Juwan, all right, here you go, man. See if you can score on me. And uh, so he, I said, hey, you know, give me a fake baseline. I'll go for it. And then you go middle. So he fakes baseline. I go for the fake. He spends middle, scores it. And he, you know, he won the jersey or whatever. So <laughs> this <is> like, yeah. <laughs> whatever it takes, buddy, to get you, get you to commit to Michigan. So, oh,
0: yeah. You yeah. got to butter him up sometimes. That is for sure. I was, yeah, I was talking good. to uh, Terry Mills uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and he was saying how much Fish was telling him that he wanted Juwan to come. And, like, he said he's on the phone with Juwan, like, trying to get him to come. And, like, he was going to be that first domino for, you know, the Fab Five to really commit. So it's funny that Fish was really pushing both of you to get him in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And obviously he, I mean, come on, man, you can see the job he did. He's such a class individual and you know, what, what he does is he's a leader, right? So he was the one that kind of helped the rest of those guys come and you look at Chris, Jalen, Jimmy, Ray, I mean, what an unbelievable group that was. And, and uh, you know, they did such a nice job there. And so they're always fun to keep up with. So. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. That was for sure. And it is March and I'd be remiss if we did not talk about, you're at the A-19 that you were part of that went to the championship. Uh, I want to get into some of the tournament um, games and, and details, but I'm very interested to hear your perspective and the perspective inside the locker room of the coaching change because it's still so wild to me that, you know, Frieder obviously took that job at Arizona State. Shane Blecker said, you know, I, I want a Michigan man. So they implemented Fisher in the job. You know, what is the thought inside the locker room when that has happened? Because you guys were a good team, obviously. You had success. And then that happens. Like, are you guys positive? Like more juice? Like, are, are you, are you down and confused what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you talk about, it. think about it. You get go the whole season, right. With one coach and you're going for, them. we were a good team. I mean, yeah. you know, we obviously, you know, didn't win the big 10 title at Illinois and Indiana, I think won it that year, but Illinois was a very, very good team as they are this year. And so, you know, we were thinking, all right, here we go. Let's tighten it up. Let's We didn't win a big 10 title, but let's go win a national championship. And then, you know we, we we get the call to meet in Chrysler Arena and so we go there like man, what's going on and uh sure enough Bo Schimbeckler's there and you know he kind of you know gave us the news that uh, you know coach Frieder's not going to coach us and coach Fisher's going to be the one to take over and so obviously a shock to yeah. everybody but you know coach Fisher who had recruited a lot of us most of us really and uh he, he was a big man coach we worked with the bigs and so I was very very close with coach so for me, it was like, oh, this is great, you know, getting a chance to, to help coach and then see if we can, you know, continue our goal, which is to win a national championship. Yeah.
0: And that, that was your thought. Like, you guys still had that belief that national championship was the end, end goal.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it was, you know, obviously it, it's a change and it's, a, you know, a, yeah. for us, it's like, whoa, this is, you know, something that we didn't count on, didn't think about. But, you know, once, you know, we went through that whole change, it was like, okay, we're pulling for Coach Fisher. Like that was one of the things we talked about. We said, Hey man, let's, you know, let's help. Let's do this for fish. Right. Sure. So, you know, and with, with Loy and JP and myself, Terry, like fish was, you know, the main guy for us, you know, as far as working out every day and, you know, having the bigs down there. So, um, with that said is, okay, let's do it for, 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 him. And, uh, you know, again, it was one of the goals that we had at the very beginning of the season, you know, and then Glenn rice and I being captains were like, Hey, this is, this our last shot. And so, um, you know, we said, let's give it all we got. And uh, fortunately enough, had a, had a nice run there and, and was able to bring, bring it on home.
0: Yeah, sure. I was breaking down some of the other tournaments and I believe it was 87 tournament. You guys played Navy and David Robinson. And I was looking at the stat line because I was curious. <laughs> he was 22 for 37 with 50 points. Like, you just don't really see that in college. Like, what was that experience playing against someone like that?
1: Yeah, so that was my sophomore year, starting playing against David Robinson, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, starting at center at 6'8", David's seven feet, the yeah. most freakishly athletic guy on the planet probably at that time. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things we talked about was just, hey, let's make him shoot the basketball, right? So we want to keep him away from the basket, not give him the easy dunks because he obviously can run and can, you know, catch lobs and all that stuff, but we wanted to make his catches tough. So we're able to do that, get physical with him, boom. But this dude on this day, man, knocking down every 15 footer, you know, turn sure. with that left hand, bang. I was like, are you kidding me? You know? And then, you know, then when he did get free, I mean, obviously he's, you know, so athletic. Like I said, running, dunking, um, you know, people ask, hey, yeah, who's one of the toughest guys you ever had to guard? And, you know, he certainly comes to mind because, you know, obviously he had 50 on us. And I was, you know, one of the ones. He dropped a bunch of them on my head, no doubt. But uh, but we ended up winning the game. So it's oh, like yeah. we was able to play against David Robinson his last collegiate game, knocked him out of the tournament. But man, oh man, he had a terrific, terrific display on oh, that evening.
0: Yeah, that's a unique experience. I've never really played against anybody like that. And it's almost like, yeah, okay, let him go, let him eat a little bit, and you know, we'll take care of the rest. I mean, you guys won that game pretty handedly. Yeah, well,
1: we had some pretty good offensive players, you know, Antoine yeah. was really good. Guard Thompson, I think, had a tremendous shooting night. Uh, you know, Gary Grant, obviously, you know, so those guys, our guards really outplayed their guards and was able to make a lot of shots. So then Glenn Rice actually had a good game too. So, you know, we had some guys that scored it. Um, David didn't have a whole lot of help. He had a couple guys that were decent, but, sure. you know, he carried that team obviously all year, but, my goodness that 50 piece was uh yeah that that was pretty special.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. The yeah. next year next year 88 you guys were eliminated 87 by UNC and 88 again you met UNC and got eliminated once again. Like how how was that rematch and sort of feeling cuz I feel like that 88 team was pretty good as well.
1: Yeah, no no no, we were we were a good team and uh you know, but uh, again you look at it um Playing those guys, they had knocked us out when we were kind of underdogs, right? So we, you know, I think I only had 20 or 21 wins my sophomore year, and then played them there. Boom, they're always loaded, obviously. Yeah, Carolinas like come in and and they beat us. And then this year, the next year, it's like, all right, we're we're right there. Like we should, you know, be able to to hold our own and handle them with, with the squad that we had. And and they ended up knocking us out again. And you know, there's something about them, you know, like you know Carolina was you know they have that that reputation you know of always getting these McDonald's Americans these blue blood like oh and, yeah. and they come in expecting to win and uh, so you know that's two years in a row that they knocked us out of the tournament so you know for us it was it was exciting and a great opportunity to be able to play them again and in, in our our senior year in 89 to be able to, to exact some revenge.
0: Yeah you like got the monkey off your back there with the 89 lead eight game, like finally getting UNC. Was that like a big relief?
1: That, that was, and i tell you what, it, it was something, something that we really wanted too. It's like, hey man, listen, we want we want to play the best. Yeah. And the fact that we were playing with such confidence, you know, at that point and had some, re- you know, obviously early in the tournament had some, you know, had to kind of battle and get used to coach and uh, kind of play and had a couple of tough ones there, but then, Play Virginia, really played well, shot the lights out. And so our confidence had really grown. And so getting able to play Carolina was great for us because it's like, you know what, we, we owe these guys. And, you know, obviously we all, you know, you kind of go through the the whole progression, you play one year, two year, because there weren't a lot of guys leaving early at that point, you know, so you're going to see some of the same guys. And, and for us to be able to have an opportunity to, to, exact some revenge off them it, w- it was terrific for us yeah
0: yeah it seemed like you guys carried it over and it was like I say like weight lifted off because you just destroyed Virginia like it wasn't even close like it wasn't even a real game almost like not even good competition but you you, you kept that going against Illinois in the final four game and you had nine and six and 19 minutes I mean that's got to feel pretty good that's pretty efficient I think you're hoping for more minutes after that but like that final <laughs> four game to have a performance like that in 19 minutes that's pretty damn good
1: no, I, you know, we have such a such a deep team, you know, with Lloyd Vaught and Terry Mills, myself and Glenn. I mean, our yeah, it front call was just loaded. Yeah. And so, um, you know, for, for me, it's like I'm doing whatever it takes to, to help the team win. And, again, you talk about revenge. Like, Illinois had beaten us twice that year. Mm-hmm. Um, most importantly, they beat us on senior day. Uh, and that was, you know, like one of those games where it's like, are you kidding me? Like, in Christ Arena, like, they yeah. came in and just, I mean – running up and down alley-oops, you know, just dunking on me, talking, I mean, the whole nine. So, you know, for us, it's like, well, okay, got our revenge against Carolina. Now it's time to get some revenge, you know, against Illinois. And, um, you know, Coach Fisher said one thing that I remember, he said, listen, guys, if we rebound the basketball, we'll win the game. Because they had crushed us on the offensive class Mm. in in Ann Arbor a few weeks back. So he said, hey, listen, we got a rebound. If we rebound, we'll win. And so, sure enough, we, you know, ended up, on the glass, beating them on the glass, and, and getting a crucial rebound by, you know, offensive rebound Sean Higgins put that shot in to yeah. kind of win the game for us, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. No, I feel that pain because people ask me all the time, you know, like, what is one game you wish you could have back that you wish you would have won, and they're always surprised, I'm like, senior night. We lost senior night to Purdue, you know, we maybe could have won the Big Ten outright that, that year. And yeah, that one always sticks with me. Like you losing at home on senior night, that's a, that's a big pain. So I feel like that again, it's like these revenge games keep coming up, the motivating you, you guys keep building this. And then you get to Seton Hall and take me, take me through. Cause you're in a very unique position. Take me through the nerves and the process right before that game. Cause it's gotta be almost like, you're like out of body experience. Like, wh- okay, we wanted to do all this. We, we wanted to get here. This is our end goal, but we're finally here. And you don't know how to feel because you've never been there.
1: Right. And, and first of all, you know, playing in the kingdom, right, in Seattle, humongous building, yeah. court right in the middle. And it's like our first time, man, being in a building that size. Yeah. Um, had, you know, a couple practices before that in the kingdom Like the shoot around, it was like nuts. Like, wow. So so that was before actually the final four game. First game in Illinois. So that was the first thing that stood out, right? It's like this building is huge. There's people everywhere, but it seems like it's so far away, right? And so that part was was weird, kind of getting used to playing in that. But, um, you know, we play the game, like, okay, cool, boom, have the day off, and now you're ready for the championship game. And for us, it was kind of, you know, Coach Fisher did a really nice job of kind of keeping us in a routine and saying, hey, guys, listen, this is what it's about. You know, we worked this hard. This is, you know, this is why we played. That's why we worked so hard, you know, in the beginning of the year. And you just talked us through that, kind of kept us, kind of calm on, on a, an even keel there but uh but obviously starting the game we we had won we played our game first right so we were able to sit and watch hmm. uh uh seton hall play duke right and we we're thinking we beat carolina you know let's play duke man we want to beat, yeah, yeah. Let's, you want to beat the best let's do that <laughs> and, and duke had a nice lead and we kind of we thought they were going to win and then seton hall came back and eventually won that game so it's like all right doesn't matter who we play let's just win yeah. Won a national championship.
0: Like, yeah, definitely.
1: Final four wasn't the goal. The national championship was the goal. Yeah.
0: So, what, yeah. What, what kind of coach was was fish? He was a very even keel type guy.
1: Yeah, he was. And, and, and for him, you got to remember, like he was an assistant coach for a lot of years. Hmm. He and Coach Frieder were together for a long time. And and fish was that. And and it's kind of like when he took over, it was kind of like a substitute teacher, right? You get a sub in there. You're like, okay, yeah, you kind of relax a little bit and you can kind of have fun with it. But sure. again, like I mentioned earlier, Fish was our guy, right? So not only did we want to win for each other, we want to win for Coach Fisher. Uh, but no, he was always prepared. He had us on point, he, you know, because he did the, the game preps anyway, you know, for us throughout the year. So he was always in control of that, what the other team was going to do, what plays he thought would work. How what would it take to win the game? And he put his keys to victory on the board. And so that was it. So as far as the coaching part, man, Coach Fisher, he was on point. He was a guy that was, you know, prepared, had us going. And, and for him, it was just the game management, which, you know, obviously first time coaching, but uh, he went 6-0, and man, to start. Yeah. And, and that was awesome.
0: Yeah, very impressive. I want to get into some more details of the game. But before that, again, I want to get your perspective on that whole atmosphere and – are, were you able to just be like, all right, this is another game, you know, the whistle's blown, ball's tossed up. Were you able to get focused in or like first time you hit the floor, you know, first couple minutes, you're like, what the hell is going on?
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's it. It's the game. It's the national championship. So no, there's, there's a little more butterflies, obviously. Sure. A little more angst. There's a little more, you know, like, whoa, like this is it simply because of two reasons. One, it is the game and you know, it, and you've seen it, you know, growing up since you're a kid what the game looks like, right? Like, oh man, this is it. You hear the music, you hear, you know, Clark Kellogg, you're like, oh, you know, like this is it, right? So um, the thing of it for us is the building was so huge, but this is the game. And so, yeah, there was a little angst, there was a little more nervousness, but once that ball went up you got on the floor, you went up and down a time or two, you settle in. And we have such belief in our guys and such, like I said, the talent, the fact that we had grown together so much over that, short three-week span um, really kind of helped propel us to, to, to play this game and get off to a really, really big lead in the game. And things were going our way pretty well. Uh,
0: and then, yeah, so take know, me to that, because in the second half, you guys went a, a mini drought, a little drought. You know, it was like, a, I think, 11-minute period there, was, I don't know, maybe Seton Hall made a, a run or something. You guys weren't hitting shots. And then it gets down tight um but you I guess just kept that belief and just stay with the process I mean Glenn hit a couple big shots I think I can't remember I watched the end of it but you know that I'm just watching it I was (laughs) it was nerve-wracking for me watching on YouTube and I'm like I already know what happened but I can just feel like how tight and how clenched I think people can get in that moment but you guys still play like pretty confident
1: Oh, yeah. And and just play well. And I tell you what, it was funny because we really were playing well, had a nice little lead, things were going. And then they had a couple guys that kind of started making a few shots. And Johnny Morton was one in particular that got going. And I just remember this one play. And, you know, people remember, you remember different things, right? So uh, my guy was setting a down screen for Johnny Morton and it was getting ready to come up. And Glenn said, Hey, we're going to switch on this, right? And so I said, All right. So my guy sets a screen, boom! I switch out. I was just a tad late, but I contested, and he hits the shot. And he was so pissed at me after that. (laughs) Come on, switch! Like he, oh, running down the court, he was so pissed. And I was like, you know, I was there, but I hit a good shot. And so, you know, just things like that kind of come up, just little little points in the game. But. But, you know, give those guys credit because they did the same thing like the Duke. They made a nice little comeback and were down and they came back and made it a game for us. And, and, um, you know, for us, we were able to, like I said, to continue to work and to finally get that victory, which was, you know, our our main goals.
0: Yeah, I had one other guy, his name is Zach Novak, and he was uh, in my class. And, you know, we went all four years together, we were captains twice together. And so now I'm picturing kind of a similar situation with you and Glenn, like, it's just a very bonding relationship when you go through all those experiences, like he can yell at you and you can be fine with it. You're like, I I understand. And it's tense. Like, did you have a special relationship with Glenn just because of all the experiences you went through and then finally reaching your goal that you wanted to?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So we have many, many conversations about it. Like people talk about this, but I distinctly remember, you know, summertime we talk about it. Um, You know, during the season, we go together, get to his house, us, (laughs) me, Glenn, a few of the other players, like, you know, just talk about what it would be like. Like, Hey guys, our goal is to win a championship, like win a championship, win a championship. So we would talk about that quite a bit. And, and I'm sure, you know, people say that, but this happened with us. Right. Yeah. And so get to the hotel, same thing. Goal still the goal. You know, we had a phrase, we said, let's shock the world. And and that was it. And so we kept, you know, that was something we, that was a theme that we had throughout the year. And we talk about it, be about it, but you know, have it. Going with a guy four years, getting a degree four years at Michigan, playing every time—that's so many experiences you go through. And as you know, Ann Arbor is such a special place to be able to do that. And. You know, yeah, going through that with, with a group like that has been, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, having played, you know, played professionally for nine years and and coached, you know, and, and for five years, and you know, now doing the scouting stuff. Like, what's your best sports memory? My seriously, to this day, my best sports memory is winning an national championship because it was about the team yeah. coming together through different adversities, right? Through you know changing coaches and you know going through droughts and games and you know all the stuff we went through, but it was a, that group of guys coming together and just galvanizing and continuing to have that focus on the goal. And it got so we got closer and closer and closer as through that uh, through a week span there. So that for yeah. me, obviously, is it.
0: Yeah, no, it's very special. That makes sense to me. I'd have the same answer if I was you. Uh, I usually save this question for the end. But since we're already talking about it, take me through that locker room experience after. Like the buzzer goes off, you guys funnel off the court, you get in the locker room. And, you know, it's got to be like an experience like none other.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's like literally pure joy. So, you know, Ramil makes the free throws. They get it out. They throw the last second shot up, bang off the glass. Glenn gets the rebound. We all run on the court. And it's funny, um, I have a picture of, of me and Terry, Kind of embracing and, and mike griffin i think is there jpu's behind me and we got the number one up in the air and mm-hmm. the look on our faces was just pure joy <laughs> and it's funny my wife actually just got that picture framed it for me and and gave Beautiful. it to me for christmas and i yeah i had forgotten about it but yeah and, and it's just pure joy and that's it like a, when you say a picture's worth a thousand words that picture is it and just to be able to to win it, it I mean, there's really, really no words to describe that. It was just, we're so happy and relieved. Like, and it's funny, after that, it's like, all right, who's next? Like, who's <laughs> like, who we gonna yeah. like We're ready to keep playing. Like, all yeah. right, who else? Like, we felt we could beat anybody at that point.
0: Yeah, and- no, I bet. I mean, I, I can't imagine being able to go to class after winning a championship. I feel like I would just maybe just walk around campus. I don't even, we're even able to finish <laughs> classes
1: yeah, that was one of the things that you know it's Michigan man so yeah you absolutely got to go to school so yeah just coming home like that night staying there in Seattle like oh my goodness, you know had you know parents in town and just collecting with your people it was awesome. And then coming back to Ann Arbor was the funnest part right we land, we get on the bus. There's, you know, the news people, casters are following us. We were listening to it on the radio. Oh, here they are. They come on, they're on 94. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, oh yeah, they followed us the whole way. And then we pulled up and people were there. And it was, I mean, just a wonderful experience to be able to bring a national championship back to Ann Arbor.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine. I want to talk about, you know, you have experience playing overseas and I believe in France and Italy, if I have that correct. you know, there can be some wild stories that, that guys have, even in a short amount of time. Do you have a certain story or two that sticks out to you from your experience? Well, <laughs>
1: yeah, you're right. It's been some crazy stuff there for sure. I spent yeah. some time in, in Italy and France and a few different cities. But I just will say my favorite was, was Venice. I spent two years in Venice, Italy, which is outstanding. And then quick story. So I was over there playing and uh, I, Coach Fisher took the Fab Five on a trip. To, to Europe to come, you know, to do a European tour. yeah Well, the guys, obviously, you know, you go through a long season like that. You're like, uh, you definitely have the last thing you want to do is, you know, get on a plane and go, you know, but he brought them over and it was so funny because they came and they came to see me play a game, that's which cool. was amazing. You yeah. know, so I look up, I see Coach Fisher, you know, a couple of the guys in the stands. It's like, wow. So that was, that was pretty neat to be able to connect with those guys when I was over over in Venice playing. So, um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of things that go on with, you know, playing in Europe, obviously had a couple of times I played for a team and they wouldn't pay, you know, mm-hmm. they were late with the payment, So it's like, okay, we're boycotting the game. And, you know, sure enough, it was 10 minutes before game time and they run in like, no, see here, here it is. Here's <laughs> a note, we sent it, here's the, uh, you know, so it's like, all right, all right, we'll play. So you certainly don't have that in the NBA.
0: <laughs> no, certainly not. And I've heard of guys not getting paid, but I've never heard of ten minutes for a game running in the locker room like, "Here's your money."
1: Oh yeah, that's yep, a different yep. experience. Oh, yes, indeed, because they want. Yeah, it was a big game, and they definitely want to play. And We're like, listen, if you don't get paid, we're not playing. Yeah, and me and American, a couple of other top guys on the squad, and sure enough, you know, they came in with the paperwork. And see, I, I, I delivered it in your account. It's in your account. You made the deposit. You know. Huh. I'm like, all right, man, we'll play then. <laughs> oh,
0: that's funny. And you came, you came back. Um, did you come back from overseas and then and then started playing for the Grand Rapids Hoops? Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. I ended up having a little bit of a knee issue. Came mm-hmm. back, um, and I did. I spent a little time at the Grand Rapids Hoops, which was fun. Just great experience uh, playing in, in you know minor league basketball here in the states. Um, and uh, th- that part for me was like enjoyable. So I was able to get you know get com- completely healthy. Yeah. And then I played with a guy, a coach by the name of Brendan Sir, who was actually uh, my assistant coach when I was in my rookie year with the Pistons. And so he was the head coach, and I went there and played for him, and it was a, um, just a great experience just to be able to get out there and play close to my hometown. I'm from Muskegon originally, so I'm in West Michigan playing. And So my parents were able to come see a lot of games, brothers and sisters. So that was for me, that was nice. Nice uh, after playing overseas for a few years. It was good to, to be able to play home.
0: And then you played there a couple years and they, they named you player coach. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's like Bill Russell-esque in the nineties. I, I don't, I don't remember the last time I've seen that. Like, could you manage that? How was that?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was kind of strange. It was about 15 or 17 games left in the regular season. Hmm. And the coach I talked about, Brendan, Serr, called me to his room we're on the road and he goes, Hey Mark, listen, I got to call up to the NBA, you know, um, he said, Isaiah's running the, the Raptors, and he wants me to come help with the coaching. Mm. And he goes, you know, I was thinking maybe, you know, you're the captain. You're the, I was one of the veterans on the team, older guy. And he said, hey, I was thinking maybe you, you know, want to coach the team. He said, listen, it's only 17 games left. You know, instead of bringing an outside guy, why don't you do it? The guys, I respect you. You know the stuff we're running. Why don't you do it? I was like, what? So I get on the phone with the owner, and he says, yeah, if you want to do it, let's do it. I was thinking, all right. Like, I I never thought about coaching, never wanted to get into coaching. He's like, sure, I'll do it. So sure enough, um, he takes off. I take over, we sit with the team, explain the whole situation. And they were great. Like, Yeah, man, we're with you 100%, Mark. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. It's nice. Okay. So sure sure enough, the very first game, plan, boom, boom, close game. I draw the play. It's a high pick and roll. I knew they were trapping. So I said, hey, run the pick and roll. And I believe our point guard was Melvin Booker. He comes off. I said, the role guy's going to be wide open. Comes off, roll guy's wide open, bang, score, we win the game. I'm thinking after the game, hey, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> 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 easy, man. What are, you, <laughs> what are you guys all stressed about? So uh, sure enough, I think we we went on and I think we we're 12 and five or something like that to finish the season when it made it to the conference finals and lost to uh, actually Eric Musselman, who's was to Arkansas now his team beat us uh, in, in, a, in the uh, in the conference finals that year and uh, but yeah it was it was tough and then finished that season and the owner comes to me and says hey man you you did a nice job he says you want to be the coach you want to still play you want to try to do both what do you think I was like you know what I still got a little left in the tank mm-hmm. and I kind of like this coaching thing so yeah why don't I do both still when I tell you that was the hardest thing I ever Ever try to do? Yeah, get in shape, get the players. Because back then you had to call the agents individually to get players, sure. right? So I'm on the phone. Hire a nice staff, and those guys are trying to get players. Had to, you know, set up the training camp, see what that looks like, get the camp together, talk to the guy, like do summer camps. Like it was just so many things I had to do along with being a player, right? Yeah. So, Needless to say, that was uh, 24 hours in a day was not enough time. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not have a lot of success because I was just stretched so thin the entire year. And so after that, that was my last year plan. I gave that up and then coached for another three years.
0: Yeah, after that. Yeah, you said that you didn't think about coaching before that kind of propelled you into coaching and sort of becoming a basketball lifer.
1: Yeah, it sure did, and so after that, I coached for another few years there, did five years total as a head coach of the Hoops, and then got an opportunity with Doc Rivers, who brought me on to Orlando as an assistant coach, and I did that for a couple years. Um, after that, I went actually back with Coach Fisher at San Diego State, which is yeah. an awesome experience. It's been two years there, and uh, to kind of help him kind of get that thing started, and uh, my first year, we you know, had a nice job, won the league, and then we won it again, and uh, went to the NCAA tournament, and that was, you know, just a wonderful experience to be reunited with Coach Fisher, and Coach Dutcher, and and all those guys there at San Diego State who who did such a tremendous job.
0: Did you know you wanted to get back in the NBA in some capacity, like that's where you wanted to be?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did, even though I loved, I loved coaching, and, and you you have such an impact on the young men, mm-hmm. right, and and it was great to live in San Diego as well. You know, it was wonderful. Uh, but I, but yes. I did. And my heart was was in the NBA, and and then uh, after two years of coaching with with a uh, coach there, got an opportunity with Eric Musselman with Sacramento with the Kings. And so I ended up moving family up to Sacramento, coached there with him for a year, and then uh, like coaching is in the NBA, we got fired. And so yep. I was like, okay, now what's next? And how about this full circle? Get a call from Brendan Sir, was my coach, assistant coach miles with the Pistons, coached me in Grand Rapids. He's now uh with the Knicks. And he said, Hey, we need a West Coast scout. And I was like, Scout? I said, I've never scout. He said, Mark, I'm telling you, piece of cake, you'll love it. You'll love the scouting. So I said, okay. So I did it. So I had everything west of Denver, play uh college and pro. Okay. So did that, went to my first game. I think I went to see St. Mary's play. And I'm looking around, I'm like, okay watched the game took notes put my report in I was like this is awesome (laughs) no anxiety no stress don't care who wins or loses yeah okay like yeah this kid looks like he can play in the league like write him up boom and from that point on Stu I was I was hooked I was in love
0: no I bet you had that that's a nice gig that's a very nice gig you were able to stay out west and then you move to the Knicks and that's got to be an interesting decision to go from coast to coast and I, I imagine move your family and, and take that job, but you know you wanted to keep going up and you, you've you made it to a great spot. So, I mean, it, it's worked out, but that's gotta be a tough decision to go through.
1: Yeah, well, the beauty of it is I started out as a West Coast scout with the Knicks and then became director of scouting and director of player personnel. And fortunately, uh, they did want me to move to New York and we had a discussion and they said, okay, I really didn't want to move my family. I have three kids. They were all high school, junior high age, and so I said, guys, I really don't want to do that. They said, okay, you can you can do your job from there, but you have to be in New York like one week a month was a stretch. So I spent a lot of time on Delta, flying back and forth, <laughs> all the uh, points, doing scouting. Got a lot of points. Was you know obviously you know made it to platinum, diamond, whatever it is. And, yeah. But it was good. It was a good experience uh, to be able to spend some time there in New York. is every time you go, it's it's awesome. Just a wonderful city you know, to spend time in, and so i would go there, spend a day or so in the office, do some scouting as I was on my way back, and then spend a couple of weeks there at home. So I did a lot of traveling, but I was fortunately able to keep my family out West.
0: Yeah, so then, you know, Michael Winger, I think, leaves Oklahoma. I think he was assistant GM there, gets a job with the Clippers. Take me through that conversation. He, he calls you up. Is that, is that a no-brainer for you to take the job? Well, it's
1: funny. It was funny because Lawrence Frank is our president, right? Uh-huh. So. Um, Lawrence called me up and said, Hey, I want to talk to you, you know, about the job because Lawrence was coaching for many, many years. And then he ended up saying, Hey, listen, want wants to get on this side of it. So he does. And he, he reached out today. Hey, I want to talk to you. So I said, okay, so I fly into LA. We have a meeting breakfast meeting, spend a few hours here. I fly back to Sacramento because the next day I was flying to Africa with basketball without borders with the mm. NBA so that was something I have done every year so sure enough he said yeah yeah well, I'll I'll get back with you once I make a decision I was like fine go to Africa do my thing there spend a week work with the kids do all that because I enjoy that so much it's a great group of NBA people that put on you know camps we do life skills training with the kids we do a lot of good stuff so I did that and then I come back and it's been a little while and then so i finally calls me say hey you ready to do this like, absolutely. <laughs> so we hires Michael Winger as a GM, Trent Redden assistant GM and myself as assistant GM. So we all got hired, same together 2017 that fall and um, have been together ever since. And when I tell you there's no better group to work with, it's been an unbelievable uh, connection between us and having a wonderful owner like Steve Ballmer who lets us do our job and says, hey, listen, guys, do it. I'm here to bounce ideas off, answer questions, make you think about things differently. Mm. And that's what he's been there for. So Steve's been unbelievable. But working with Lawrence, Michael, Trent, and the rest of the group has been been fantastic.
0: What, what was that like with Steve? And you know, he's one of those types of personalities where you meet him and you're like, I feel like he's just like, oh, you actually are this energetic and this <laughs> passionate. Like that's gotta be, it's just a little different.
1: Yeah, hey, listen, what you see is what you get. Yeah. You know, He is passionate. It is great. He loves basketball. He's he plays he shoots a lot like he's really into it. But <laughs> but when I tell you he's he's a genuine person like you would never know that he's you know worth you know eighty billion dollars or whatever yeah. the number is. Like he's such a down to earth, normal guy. Like we text all the time. He texts right back. Like it, it's awesome. I mean it really is. And to have a guy like that who understands what we're doing and wants to help us in any way we can. Like he's like guys. I, you know we all got the same goal. Let's just go out there and get it done. And so, no, he has been terrific. He's a golfer, big time. I was able to play with him a few times, you know, in, in the bubble there when we were uh, this past uh, last August in, in October or in uh, Orlando. So, like, I, I can't. When I say he's he's as genuine a person as you can find. Like I I, I couldn't be more honest. He's
0: outstanding. To what? Yeah, with. It seems like it. It's nice because I I bet there's just you've been all over the place and you've seen different management styles, ownership styles, just different personalities. And to have that, like, I'm sure you've had some stories. Where you're like, what is the owner doing or what is management doing? So it's nice to like let guys lead and do their job, what they're being paid for. It must be, you know, you, it, it can be very tough. I think in basketball, everyone wants to put their fingerprints all over everything instead of like sit back and let guys do their jobs.
1: That's it, and we say, you know, and Lawrence is a lot like that as well. Like, like there's no egos here at all. Like, like, Steve doesn't want to say, hey, I'm the guy who did this, he didn't want to be out front, mm-hmm. he's just not like that. And so, yeah, obviously there are other owners who would like to be more involved, who like to be in front of the camera, who like to, you know, get behind the scenes and kind of do trades and that kind of thing. But Steve's like, listen, I pay you guys to do a job. And if you need me for anything, reach out and he'll come in and ask questions. Which we love. He'll come sometimes, send the meetings, not a ton, but he's at every game, and he supports the players, and he just he loves it. He just loves the game, and so he's been phenomenal to work with. And uh, like I said, I couldn't think of a better better owner than, than Steve Ballmer.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you've worked with some really great guys in that front office. You know, Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank, you know Jerry West. is uh, on as a consultant. You know, w- what has that experience been like? Talking to him and talking basketball, or even getting to know him.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one that's, for us, we're very, very fortunate, again, like Steve uh, has allowed Lawrence and allowed us to, to expand this group and to be able to go get the people and go get the best people that'll help us. And, you know, when you talk about that, like Jerry West, obviously, he's done it as a player, as a coach, as executive, so many different levels. And he has a wealth of knowledge, just a wealth of knowledge. And so to be able to have him around, to bounce ideas off to sit and talk with like and he's too. he's wide open like you would think a guy like that'd be so super busy but he'll call he'll text he'll hit you hey mark how's it going you know just he'll reach out like that you know which is cool i mean just just terrific you know
0: for what do you, us to have, what do you think what do you think sets him apart jerry west because he have been so lauded as a consultant and and front office guy in the nba like what would you say it sets him apart from other people
1: I just think part of it is like Jerry has just a wealth of experience, right? He's done it at so many levels and he's seen it all. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and he has a keen eye for talent. You know, he likes guys. He knows what works in this NBA. He knows what worked in the past. He knows what works now, but I do think just the fact that he has done it so much and so many times and coached so many great players and been around drafted so many great players. Um, and, And I think that's it. You know, and the fact that he is, he too is just wants to help. Like he's like, hey, hey guys, listen, I'm here for you, whatever you need. You got questions, you got things, but to sit and listen to him talk about stories in the past still has been unbelievable. I bet. <laughs> oh my some of his stories, like growing up in West Virginia and then playing and then coming in the NBA when it was, you know, really, really young. Mm-hmm. And against some of those guys and, and the talent level that you had to have to make the NBA, because yeah. there's so few teams, like And as good as he was, how about this? So Jerry, when you people look at it, he's the only player to be the MVP of the finals to come off a losing team. How amazing is that? How good do you have to be? Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) To to not win the title, but to be the MVP of the series.
0: Yeah. That is amazing. No, it's kind of unfortunate that he played so long ago that, you know, every year goes by, we kind of forget just a little bit more about how good he was and, and stuff like that. So it's... Fun to get your experience and to hear those stories. I mean, I'm sure there's got to be a lot of great wild stories. You don't have to tell any, but I'm sure there's got to be some good ones. <laughs> yes, indeed. A lot of Elgin Baylor stories. Oh, man.
1: And then, yeah, and then I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Coach George Ravlin, too, is one of our consultants, and he is unbelievable as well. Like, his knowledge of the game and the people has been invaluable for us. So, he, yeah, he's another guy that I really, really lean on a lot. And uh, he, yeah, it's awesome. It's, we're very, very fortunate to have him in the fold as well.
0: I'm curious because you've got, done it in so many different positions, evaluating players. And I know I catch myself a lot of time as a former, as a current player and just a guy who played basketball, you can bring your emotions into looking at a guy. You're like, I don't like him. I don't know why. And it's like some other stuff you kind of have to go through all the layers of emotions and like figure out why, but like what makes a good scout and how have you changed in evaluating players from the beginning?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, and you said that, like trying to take your biases out, right? First of all, knowing that you have biases, yeah. you kind of you leave those to the side. And it's tough, like, it's, you know, because everybody wants to be right, right? Everybody wants to, well, hey, man, you don't know how this kid's going to be this, that, and the other. And so, you know, when you watch players, it's just watching, seeing, A, you know, the physical tools and gifts, you know, the tenacity, do they play hard, you know, all of that stuff on the court right, shooting, all of that. And then to try to project and see where you think they'll be, how much better can it get, et cetera. And then you get the flip side, which is the personal side, right? Digging into, you know, what kind of kid they are, you know, the respect factor, mm-hmm. who's in the corner, who, who do they listen to, um, why are they playing the game, you know, which is always a tough one because everybody will tell you, oh yeah, I'm playing because yeah. I want to win. Yeah, okay. And then once they get that check, you know, it, it's That's, it's interesting to see yeah how it changes people, because it does. Guys change once they get paid. And so these are a lot of the things we dig into and we'll look deep, right? We'll go back, you know, high school, sometime even junior high, but the whole AAU thing, going into teachers, like, you know, we we'll, you know, and we have a vast network, you know, and you talk about, you know, George Ravlin knows everybody. You know, Jerry West knows a ton of people. So, you know, we lean on these guys some to be able to, you know, see if they, you know, they have. they contacts or connections. Like, hey, what about this kid? Like, and they'll do it. So for us, like I said, we're very, very fortunate to have groups like that. But, you know, the way the league is changing too, people are looking at, you know, whole centers got to be able to shoot now. They got to be able to do this, that and the other. So for me, it's just a matter of what can a guy bring to the table? Because there got to be certain skills that you bring to help a team win. Yeah. And, you know, size for the position is one that was big for years. And, you know, so you can be able to switch Right, defense, so you know—to have a six-six card six versus a six-two guard, like it's—you know—so those things are they're important.
0: I'm interested about, you know, when you find a player, and you want to be right. You know, everyone wants to be right, but you're in a room with such great basketball minds that, and nowadays everyone wants to point out when you got it wrong. So, is there like a balance there? Do you ever catch yourself saying like, oh? You know I like this guy, but maybe maybe I might be wrong, and you know I don't know if I want to speak up for him or something like that. I feel like there's like a dichotomy there. you want to be right, but you don't want to be wrong, and it's like a a tug of war almost in your own mind
1: yeah no, no, no that that happens, and what we do is we really encourage you know not just obviously the big voice in the room but our scouts because those guys go out and see them every day right they're out watching guys, they have certain regions that they cover, and they're on these guys, so mm-hmm. they have a little better uh, not to say knowledge, but they've seen them more than some of you know us. And so we got to go dig and watch film. But we really encourage guys to sp- speak up, you know. And Lawrence, there's a phrase he uses: "Hey, if you if you're in here and you're not seeing anything, then you're not you're useless. There's no reason for you to be in here, right? If you're in here just to to listen, just to soak up knowledge, like we don't want you in here. So he really encourages guys to, to speak their mind and speak up. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says. I want to know what you think." Right, so yeah. so we do a lot of that, and then you know we we have again the group that is you know we don't we have a lot of selfless people, and they understand like you know like they, they on a guy they like him they say I'm telling him in three years he's gonna be a player well if in the first year he's not very good they don't jump off him like no yeah. no no stay on your guy yep. and, and so we, yeah that that's what happens a lot too so you look at year three you're like oh man look at this guy he's really good like yeah, I thought he would be. And so you continue to do that. So but we encourage guys to, to speak their mind and, to, you know, stay on their guys. And if you got a guy that you were wrong on, you just say, yep, I thought he'd be better. And I, you know, all of our guys have no problem saying that.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. You were a finalist for the Bulls job this, this past summer. And I'm curious of that process and, you know, how big of a leap that is mentally, um, you know, it can be a scary thing to be the man at times, but is that something you still want to do?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good thing. It's funny this time of year with COVID and everything, a lot of, a lot of uh, communications done obviously over computer, mm-hmm. Zoom and that kind of thing. So you weren't able to, weren't able to go to the city, you know, sit down face to face with our tourists and talk about my vision, my plan, my goals. So it's, you know, unfortunate situation we're in now but hopefully things are trending in the right direction and we can get back to where it was but as far as that yeah obviously my goal is to to run a franchise be president general manager what have you but to be able to make the final calls on things to be able to build up a great group and looking at the group we have here man like it's it's a perfect example like Lawrence has done a fabulous job of putting together people that are strong where he is weak and to be able to add people that have bring different viewpoints and, and values in that to, to the group. So yeah, that is something, Stu, that, is, that I have a goal of mine to, to be able to, to be sitting in his chair one day. And I've got to give him a lot of credit. He's given me a lot of opportunity to, to see how it's done. Um, a lot of opportunity to learn and to grow in this job and in and, and my you know, and then three years is my fourth year now and so I've I've really gained a lot of knowledge and and what it takes to to run a successful franchise.
0: Yeah definitely and you were there with what I think is one of the craziest acquisitions in NBA history with Kawhi and, and PG <laughs> like how, how that seems a, it almost like came out of thin air but obviously you guys had been talking about it but I mean, that's like an experience unlike any other. That just does not happen. Like, how do you go about that process?
1: Yeah, it certainly didn't come out of thin air, I'll tell you. There <laughs> <laughs> so was a lot of work, a lot of, um, a lot of late nights, a lot of thoughts, a lot of meetings, and, and just a lot of, you know, forth on figuring out, okay, what does it look like? And we started at the, at the end, right? So, okay, if we're able to get this done, here's what it looks like and okay, that's what we want, and then we just kind of work backwards from there, and it was a great, you know, for us to be able to put ourselves, our best foot forward in front of Kawhi, and and to be able to say, okay, and then, you know, the Paul thing kind of flowed into that, and uh, we're able to connect those two things together, and I'll tell you what, it was, you know, it was a really, really good summer for us, and obviously, that was step one. Step two, obviously, going to be you know, add the pieces around them, mm-hmm. one, and then our final step is going to be to, you know, win a championship and and, and contend for, for many, many more in the future. And that's our job always. How do we make this team better? How do we add pieces to it? How do we, you know, continue to grow and develop the guys we have uh, with the player development, with skills? And so we're doing all of that, you know, as it goes. And it's been great. You know, we have such a good group of guys. They work the tail off and they all have that one goal. To continue to win and play together, and 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 they do uh, like each other a lot. We have such good chemistry, and so I'm just hopeful that we can stay healthy, you know, stay yeah. cold and free, man, and just hey. have a nice run.
0: Yeah, I got a couple more questions, quick ones before we get out. But before that, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you were part of uh, the infamous walk off for the Pistons in '91 against Jordan, and you've talked about this before. Um, and you, you know, the Pistons walk off. Jordan sweeps you guys, you went up and said, I think, hello to BJ Armstrong because you knew BJ Armstrong. And did you have to answer for that back in the locker room? Did you catch flack for that?
1: Well, some of our guys did it, right? So obviously being a rookie, you know, me and Lance Blanks were rookies. And, you know, and they said, come on, let's go. So it's like, all right, yeah. our leaders, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Laimbeer, like, yeah, we're going to follow those guys off. So we did follow them off and they got to the tunnel and then, you know, I kind of hung out there a little bit, buzzer goes off. I had to say, it cause you know, I'm no BJ. So we played AAU together way back in the day. And so mm. he was on the court finishing out the game. And so I just had to congratulate him, but you know, then kind of slid back there. So it was, no, I, I, I was able to kind of slide in and not take much flag, but I did, you know, do the first walk with him. So that was, that was it. You know, you just follow, follow along with the veterans, you know, as a young guy.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure. it's, just realizing now that you were there, the end of the Pistons run, that's going to be a unique thing. Cause we always talk about, we they talk about Jordan ending the Pistons, but like being inside the locker room when I think people are realizing that it's kind of come to an end. I mean, I, I've never heard anybody talk about that. That's gotta be an interesting perspective as well. Yeah. I mean,
1: because Michael was so good. Yeah. In, you know, the fact that he swept us and did not want us to win a game. Like, I mean, I heard him on the floor, like, we're not letting him win a game. No, no, like, he was really, really adamant about
0: that. And
1: so, you know, the fact that, you know, they swept us like they did. And, um, you know, he, he, yeah, he, uh, he he really wanted, he, yeah, that was, that was a goal of his, I'm sure. And, and he made it happen. But, but, you know, just watching him, like, you know, I don't want to get into the GOAT debate, but just sitting there watching him take the punishment and still score, take the beatings and still score, take the, you know, everything that we threw at him and still to be able to get up and knock down free throws, get up and, and make baskets. Like, like he, it, it was just a, a, a phenomenal uh, performance on his part. Just, you know, cause we, we, we did, we threw everything, everything we could at him and he still got up, still rose up to the occasion and was able to sweep us.
0: Yeah, he was he was out for blood. That is for sure. Uh, you've been very gracious with your time. I know we've gone a little over from what I said, but it's been so great talking to you. I got two quick things uh, before we go. One, I usually ask the guys, the younger guys, you know, what if they have to pick between Ricks and Skeeps. But Ricks and Skeeps, I don't think we're back then. Uh, you know, in, in the late '80s. So, what was your go-to spot when you were in college? So yeah, Ricks was there. Ricks, right? okay. But Dooley's oh, that's was right. the other spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah Terry said. Terry said Dooley's was his spot. Dooley's was the spot. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dooley's was the basketball spot. Rick's was the football spot.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That makes sense. I think that was kind of similar for us too. Funny enough. Well, uh, okay. Last one. That I ask everybody, if what is one thing that you learned at Michigan, a lesson, maybe somebody something told you that you still carry with you to this day.
1: Well, for me, it's. Um, couple things, one is being in Ann Arbor, just the pride that you feel when you're in Ann Arbor. Like I carry around, like being a Michigan man is important to me because it says something about you as a person to be able to go through, you know, play, especially being a sportsman, like play a sport, do that, you know, at a high level and then to be able to get your degree. So for me, like just having done that, going through the experience, anytime I see that block M, like it's, it's, it just brings me pride and joy. So just my whole experience there, Stu, in Ann Arbor, being able to do, we're able to do and accomplish, I take that with me every day, just the pride of being a Michigan man.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. I really appreciate, I could have asked you a thousand more questions, so I really (laughs) appreciate you taking the time. It has been really great. I wish you the best of luck. I'm Clippers are one of my favorite teams in the NBA. I love watching them. So I I know, I feel like good things are coming, but appreciate you taking the time. And uh, hopefully maybe we can have you back on down the road.
1: Thanks a lot, Stu. Appreciate you having me, man. Go Blue.
0: Thank you. Go Blue.